0: be talking about what this love looks like when it's unpacked and put in motion. And the main point if I had to summarize it in just a few words is this is that an unconditional prop- a promise is greater than a deal. And you're going to understand this uh, as we get into a little bit deeper. So if you're taking notes, this would be a great tagline for you to start your notes on, whether it's on your smartphone or on one of the note cards uh, close to you. But deals are conditional, right? If you keep your end of the bargain, then here is what you get from it. And today we're going to discover how God's love specifically is a promise. His grace and his actions towards us are promises and they're so much greater than if he would have made a deal uh, with us. So I'm going to give us a little bit of context before we get into our, our, our text for today. So God creates the world, right? And there's chaos, right? There's murder. There is jealousy. There is um, immorality and sexual sin and envy. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on, right? Right? And it's chaos. And that's literally the first couple of chapters where we see the murder, the envy, the pride, the sexual sin. And it's chaos. And God sees that his people who he created are doing this. And he says, I want to gather myself, a new group of people. He says, I want to pick a person And I want to form and fashion a new people that will be different from these people. And when people ask what's different about you, what God's purpose was, is that they would say, oh, God, he's the one who chose us. He's the one who loved us. And we're going to serve him and do life with him. So this is the context of where we're going for our text today, which is found in Genesis chapter 12. Verse 1 through 2. This is where we're gonna try and gather from this is that God enjoys, don't miss that, please, deeply enjoys blessing his children, deeply enjoys giving good things to his children. A great father, a perfect father. And he does it to gain a joy, he does it to express his love. But even greater than that, is so others see your life, others see my life, and guess what we do? We point the spotlight on Him. He is good. He is the one who has blessed me. He is the one who has protected me from things that I didn't even see coming. He is the one who has provided in those times where I didn't even know how it would be provided for. And this... In the message, that's where we start to be a little bit introspective. And you remember those times when He has provided tangibly or intangibly, like hope or peace. Those are the times when you look back and you see, His hand was protecting me in that situation. And why does He give those good gifts? So when people see your life, you go like this. You're like, He's good. I've got a good father. And the story is like a ripple effect. So here we go to Genesis chapter 12. Um, The Lord says to Abram, which is the man that he chose, right? So remember the graphic I just showed you? Chaotic world, new people, right? He needs a new people now, right? Because he wants people to know about himself. And he does that by pulling a person. And he says, I want a new nation to be born from there, right? So the man that he pulls is a guy by the name of Abram. He is later known as Abraham, okay? He says this. He says, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. There's a promise, right? He says, I want a new people, and I've chosen you, and people are going to know that I am God and that I am a good God because I'm going to give you extreme and beautiful blessings. All right? And he says, I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. He says, I have chosen you. I want you. I am pursuing you. He says, trust me. Big word for all of us today. For all of us in all of our spheres of where we're at in life. The hurt, the doubt, the pain, the anxiety, the pressures. Trust. Mark chapter 5 verse 36 says just belief. It says, trust me, Abram. And what? And you'll be blessed. It's all about God. God's in the middle and our lives should revolve around him health finances relationship thoughts what comes out of our mouth what goes into our ears revolves around God it's all God his purpose his plan for his glory our good so not this communistic evil God who says it's all for me A good God who says, it's for my glory, but for your good. Because you're my daughter. Because I know you. Intimately know you. From when you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. Psalm 139. Who initiated the relationship with Abram? God, right? Abram was in a chaotic world full of sin, sexual immorality, murder, um, thievery, you name it. Very similar to today, honestly. Very similar to today. He was worshipping some pagan god. But yet, God chose to pursue him. What did Abram do to deserve it? Nothing. Think about the good news in all this, please. There's personal application in this. This isn't a story that I'm just throwing out there to see what kind of knowledge or history you gain. This is application right here in our hearts. When I walk out of here today, how will this change my identity of who I am as a son or a daughter of God? Abram did Nothing to deserve it. But yet God says, I'm going to give you everything. Isn't there beauty there? You did nothing. But I'm going to make you into a great nation. And when other nations see you, all I want you to say is, God, when other nations come to attack you, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to bless you abundantly. That's like a cup full of water and you're getting to the brim and you continue to pour and it falls off. That's how God blesses. What did God require of Abram? Money? Talents? Did he get his life in order? Did he be really good? Did he not cheat on his taxes? What was the requirement? Trust. I'm asking you to go. Go. Leave your country, leave your family, leave your relatives, and go. Bunch of questions come up, right? Why would God do that? That's an evil God. How dare God tell Abram to leave the stuff that he's worked so hard for, right? Any of us kind of tend to do that, get defensive automatically? Who does he think he is? I mean, come into my business, my life, and tell me what to do? God doesn't know how I feel. But yet we breathe in and we say this is a God who loved us so much that he sent his son to die on a cross while we were still enemies with him. Romans 5, 8. Enemies with him. And he says, I give you everything. What was required? Trust. I'm going to send you somewhere and you don't don't even know where it's at. But I promise I'm going to be with you When I was working on this this week, that's what I wanted to hear. I'm with you, Pollo. Trust me, Pollo. In all of these anxieties and doubts that you have currently with finances and family and other things, trust me, Pollo. Remember how I showed up over there 14 years ago? I'm going to show up again. Pollo, remember how I provided that time when you didn't have enough... That's me, and I'm going to do it again. Trust me. So, here's some details, right? God says, the world is chaotic. I want a new people for myself. So, we've got Abram. He's got a wife. And they need a son now, right? Because in order to create for yourself a new people, a little baby needs to be born, right? Right? that little baby will then grow up and he'll be able to have another baby and another baby and another baby and there's the heir, right? That's how the roots grow, right? That's how you raise a nation, right? There's a big problem though. And God tends to work big time in problems. Abram's wife is barren. She's in her 70s, 80s. And there is no heir to this great nation that supposedly is coming. Big detail, right? Huge detail. I mean, God's name is on the line here. The one who created everything. He's already spoken and said, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. There's a big problem. Because I don't have... An air. Your plan? Goofed somewhere. You ever been there? I'm looking at it tangibly. This is wrong. So it happens. They're in their eighties. You start to become weary. Anxiety. Perhaps they've shared with people already the promise. A nation is coming. People are like, Ha! Your God's a fool. Disappointed, doubting, sad, depressed. God's playing me. God never plays his children. Never. In the same way that I would not do that to our two kids who are over there. But God to the extreme and in a perfect way. I'm going to bless you. And my ways never fail. And I know your wants and your desires. He says, I know them better than you know them. Chew on that a little bit. so god meets abram and his wife in their pain and this is what god says the lord spoke to abram in a vision and said to him don't be afraid only like a good father can daughter don't don't be afraid hey son I'm right here. Don't be afraid. Because I'm going to protect you, he says, and your reward will be great. A reward's coming. A blessing is coming because that's what God promised. And God's word never, ever underline that, circle it and highlight it. Never fails. It may appear to us that it is failing, And he speaks in a very gentle and loving way. He says, I'm here. I'm protecting you. And your reward is great. So some encouragement for all of us. In the junk that we're in this morning. In the doubt and the pain and the anxiety. and that emptiness. Your reward will be great. We just saw God's response, Right? Here's Abram's response. Abram's wife had not been able to bear children for him. But she did have an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. Okay. So here's what happens. They're getting old. The promise isn't being fulfilled. She doesn't see a little bulge. And what does she do? She says, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Because God... Surely does not know what he's doing. He doesn't know about the timeline that I'm subject to. And she does what every single one of us in this room has done. Perhaps are doing right now. Says, so I'm gonna take matters into my own hands. I'm going to manipulate what I need to manipulate to get what I want. Because essentially, I don't trust his word, what he has said. He is failing me. He doesn't love me. He is not concerned for me. And what's the master plan? We've always got master plans, right? More than enough. I've got a servant. We'll have our heir for our new nation through her. Solve the issue. We did it. We don't need God. We will construct ourselves our own little savior. And our own little savior will be you go and sleep with my servant. How did that turn out? We'll see in just a moment. Have you ever thought you've got a better way? By the way, this is never an accusatory or condemning moment for me. Have you ever said my way is better than God's even though you know exactly what God has said? I know best. Think about how ridiculous and ironic that is. The creator of the world has promised to bless us. We need to know what those promises and those blessings are also. But how crazy is it to say, I know better than you. Hence, I will take things into my own hands. I will make it happen. There are a couple of people in the Bible who have said, God, you don't know what you're doing. And you know what his response is? He says, what do you have that has not been given to you? He says, I gave you all you have. The breath you're taking right now, that is given to you. The love, the forgiveness, the mercy, what you got here in, what you're going home to. In Job chapter 38, there's a guy who's going through a whole bunch of pain, and Job questions the guy and says, What the heck are you doing, basically? And God says, All right, brace yourself, man. Go read it, please. Please. Read Job 38. Please. He says, Where were you when I separated light from darkness? He says, Where were you when I told the ocean, stop here, this is your boundary? He says, Have you ever been up to the storehouses where I keep the snow and the hail and the rain, and then I command it to come down and germinate the earth? What is God doing? Magnifying his grandeur that he truly is God, capital G. In a mean way? No, in a beautiful way. Rest because that's the God I am. Rest because it's not necessary for you to manipulate. Rest because all I'm asking you to do is to trust Trust me. This is how it worked out for Abram's plan. So Abram was obedient to his wife. And he goes and he has sexual relations with the servant. And when she knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Abram's wife, with contempt. Then she says. Then Abram's wife says to Abram, "This is all your fault. See the chaos there. We thought this was a good idea, but we don't measure the consequences, right? Because it's instead of revolving around God, it's revolving around us. Here are the consequences. This is all your fault." I put my servant into your arms. Now she's pregnant. She treats me with contempt. And it is a tragic and sorry story of what happens there. I'm just sharing one verse with you. There's contempt. There's envy. There's pride. There's hatred. What was the catalyst to that? God doesn't know how to do things. I do. I know best. Friday afternoon, I got home and my wife and I went out to our balcony and I looked over the guardrail and I saw the buildings and people walking on the street and I thought to myself that many times we trust a guardrail more than God. I was standing there. 40 feet in the air, maybe. Maybe. Architect friends, you will correct me, fourth floor. 60 feet in the air. And I'm trusting basically my life on the guardrail. And I thought to myself, isn't it sad that God speaks, the God who has been faithful forever and ever and ever. Isn't it sad that we trust a piece of metal more than the creator of the universe? The one who sent his son? Let that hold some weight. The one who sent his only son to a cross to be tortured and mocked and spit upon, crucified, left dead, hanging like a piece of meat on a cross. It's tragic. I've been there. I am there many times, but a message like this is to remind us of His goodness, of His grandeur, of His purpose to say, you're my daughter and I want to bless you and I have promised to bless you. I am going to bless you. But what does He require? What does He require? What does He require? Trust. Do more? No. John 19.30, it is finished. It is finished. Period. Not it is finished, dot, dot, dot. If you impress me. If you do more. It is finished, period. The work is done. Why does he focus on the trust? Because that's all he wants from us. Do we want good news? Trust. Trust. So what are the action steps for us when we walk out of here, as we're sitting here? Well, for one, it's really healthy for us to repent. Not in some kind of shady, vague way, but you in your heart right now, perhaps when we take communion, perhaps you write down some stuff that you need to repent of. Not in a smoky way, in a clear, this is how I have attempted to manipulate your word and I have failed to trust, I'm sorry. That's it. He's perfect to forgive. He's faithful to forgive. This is one of the healthiest steps for all of us that we will, all, that we will be able to practice on an ongoing basis. Repentance. I've trusted God, that metal guardrail, more than you. And I have attempted to manipulate this and this and this and this because I failed to trust you and I'm sorry. It's from the heart, it's you and him. And the next action step is to trust. Is to not come with your head down but to approach Him boldly with your hands open and say, I want to receive because I believe you've already spoken. His children lack no good thing. Psalm 34, eight. His children lack no good thing. And this is where the beautiful counterintuitive good news comes into our heart. we close up how we began. God approached Abram and he said, I have a promise and a blessing for you. Many blessings for you. And he didn't give him a laundry list of stuff to do. All he had to do is say, I want to be your recipient. That's the good news. That as you're sitting there, you say, no, it can't be that good actually. And then the good news becomes... What? The stumbling block, right? But what if that good news became the cornerstone and everything was built on that? It wasn't a conditional deal because if it was a conditional deal, hear this, Abram would have gotten the short end of that, right? Right? But this is where we see the love unpacked, put into motion. Despite all of our failures, all of our, all the times that we've manipulated. He says, I made a deal with you and my name is on the line and that is why I will continue to be faithful no matter what. You will not, we will not experience that anywhere else in life. My attorney friends, It's on a contract. You fail yours, there's a consequence. Correct? You failed your end, but I keep my end of it. Because you're my son, and you're my daughter, and I promise to bless you. That is the beautiful, counterintuitive good news. Today we can rest Today we can trust and today we can come with our arms open and say, I'm ready. Jesus, we pray that you would show us today your glory. We thank you for the good news we pray that we would be able to come and listen to what you're doing give us strength in the middle of our doubts and anxieties and fears and remind us that you are very near it's in your son's name we pray amen